Welcome to a brand new edition of the Keith Ergo Show, your inside look at Florida men's basketball. This week, we are brought to you by a game-winning, buzzer-beating dunk at Barclays Center over North Texas. Coach, great win on Sunday. Good to see you as always. How are you? Doing well. You know, obviously, it's always uh, a much better day after a, a W as opposed to uh, an L, which, you know, could have gone either way yesterday, but um, Got to be honest with you, the way that our guys played in the second half yesterday um, was prepared in the locker room to, to to pump them up either way. You know, we, we talk about just trying to leave it out, leave it all out on the floor for each other and uh, making sure when you get back in the locker room, you can look at each other and make sure you gave it up for one another. And regardless of the outcome, I thought that 20 minutes um, defensively kind of getting back to our identity. Um, that was as good as we've played defensively all year long. I know sometimes uh, you coaches have words you don't like. I don't know if deserve is a good word or a bad word, but it felt like you guys deserved a win like that. We actually, it's funny you mentioned that. We removed the word deserve out of our vocabulary this summer as a program and we've, used, we've replaced it with earned. Um, and I think they did it. I think they have earned it. I really do. I think they've, you know, um, they've learned a lot over the course of the last several weeks, um, not just about um, what it takes to win at this level consistently, but they've learned a lot about each other, learned a lot about our staff. Um, and, th and that to us has been the most important kind of uh, piece so far this season, getting to uh, know each other as, as much as possible, because that way we can continue to, try to trust each other on the, on the court. And uh, these guys, it's not like they, they're not giving maximum effort. They're just, there's a lot of young guys out there and uh, a lot of guys that even the older guys aren't uh, known to be kind of go-to guys, so to speak. And those that are go-to guys um, have never played at this level and actually been a part of a winning program culture um, or team at any point in college. So it's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, I was talking to, to my buddy, Tim Capshaw, who did the game on, yeah. on Yes, and I'm sure you talked to Tim before the game, I and did. you know Tim too, and I was just kind of, I was saying, you know, it's kind of a weird feeling where there's so many guys who were here last year on this roster, so it doesn't feel like a new team, but yeah. everybody that's back is doing something different or yeah. more, so it kind of is a new team. Oh, it, it's, it's completely new. I mean, you know, you still lost three starters, two all-conference players. And most people thought Rostick was one of the two or three best bigs in the league by the end of the year. Um, so, you know, then you lost a 24-year-old man at Pat Kelly that had been with me um, for five years since Penn State, and I had known him for almost seven. So when you talk about having a locker room connected, you had a bunch of older guys that were really um, – they felt and acted like pros, mature. They were in grad school. They just, they had a, a kind of all their ducks in a row. They kind of experienced some losing, experienced some winning. So they knew exactly what they wanted their final year to be. The guys who returned, guys like Antrell, who was a starter, and Kyle Rose, who obviously was six man for us um, and, a, and an all defensive team. But they're now thrust into major roles for the most part not just on the court, but it comes down to leadership. And they've taken a, a big step in their growth as leaders. Neither of those 
guys, you knew what you were going to get um, on the court from them a year ago, but it wasn't like they were kind of the, the voice in the locker room. That was really Darius Quisenberry and, and Khalid. Now, Antrell a little bit, but not nearly as much as he's needed to be this year. And Kyle, it's a totally new um, role for him to be consistent daily in everything he does uh, from a leadership standpoint. And, um, you know, obviously everybody other than Will, who was a, just a freshman last year, didn't have a ton of experience in the non-con, really took off in the conference. So um, it's still his sophomore season. And after that, it's brand new. You know, everybody's either a sophomore that got six or less minutes, a freshman, a redshirt freshman, or a transfer, you know. And a guy like Josh Rivera transfers in from an 11-23 and 23 program, didn't really play or, or, or win at prep school. So he, he hadn't really done anything since high school that was part of winning. And Jaffe um, comes over. It's only his second year in Division One. You know, he played three years in junior college, so everybody expects him. He's a fifth-year guy, but he's really not. It's his second year in Division One, and you know, a year ago he was part of uh, well below 500 teams. So it's a it's an interesting puzzle, so to speak. Uh, let's stick with Jaffe for a second and go back to the game winner because um, I'm watching from home, which we can get to in a second as well, but. You know, the two previous possessions, they force him left and it doesn't go well. And on the last one, he starts going left as well and he's stuck again. And then all of a sudden the ball just squirts through. And then I'm thinking yeah. it's not going to get to Abdu fast enough to do anything yeah. with it. And it just does. What are you as a coach? Are you freaking out? Are you confident? What's going through your mind as you're watching that's happening? No, I gotta be honest. I had already reserved to the fact that, you know, I really wasn't, if it, if we were to score and win fantastic, believe it or not, I would have been disappointed for sure. If we hadn't won the basketball game, but I, I'm not kidding. Um, I was so uh, pumped and excited about watching what I watched for the final 20 minutes uh, from the team that was on the floor and all the guys who came in and participated the energy, the effort we got, and we talked about it half the time, no matter what the result is, we have to take pride in getting back our identity, being tougher, nastier, uh, taking a lot of pride in just being physical on the defensive end and getting stops, right? Stops and rebounds. And um, our guys did that for, you know, a full 20 minutes where it was one of the best defensive efforts that I'd seen. Not to mention that transferred into a lot of good ball movement in the second half on the offensive end because they do an absolutely fantastic job of taking your first and second options away. The funny thing is people weak Jaffe to his left, but that's the direction he likes to go. And, you know, he had made a couple big plays early on to get us kind of he, – given he tied it up, I think, with a step-back three. Um then he, he got an and one to take the lead. Um, he'd made, you know, I don't really want to get too much into, de you know, free throws details. Yeah. It makes me sick to my, sick to my stomach, but he actually <laughs> but he made his towards the back stretch and everyone he yeah. made gave us a lead. He made, yeah, I think he made four in a row. His last four free throws. So a step back three to tie an and one to give us the lead by one and then two free throws to give us the lead. So he had been playing pretty well. Um, they were able to force them kind of, we knew they were going to double them because they had done it two, two, two times prior. 
you know, um, but we knew they couldn't cover the three guys on the weak side. So he, he wasn't supposed to pick up his dribble. He was supposed to get rid of that ball about two seconds prior to, to actually picking it up and jump stopping because there was two guys playing three on the weak side. Um, and so two, two were actually wide open, but, um, you know, it, it was a heck of a lot of poise by him after turning the ball over two straight times in two massive moments prior to that to give up the lead. Um, really, really solid poise to squeak that through. He, he, he was trying to get the ball through. It just got tipped. So, but he yeah. had enough on it just to get to Abdu and credit Abdu. Abdu is, he is developing into a high level player. Everybody knew he could become, we all know his defensive prowess and his uh, stability on that end, but offensively now he's becoming a dominant force, honestly. And most people look at the points, right? But it's not necessarily that he's learning to be in the right position. He's not backpedaling. He's not catching the ball where he doesn't know where he is on the court anymore. He's not catching the ball behind the basket. He's not stepping on the baseline because he has no idea where he is. He is putting so much time in film and on the court and drilling where to be when a drive is going a specific area. We're putting the ball in the post a lot more to him and he's learning positioning and trying to get, make sure he establishes position in the paint instead of five feet outside the block, which he had been doing for so long. So just incredibly proud of him for him to stay exactly where he needed to be. Have quick. Usually he freezes. He's not doing that anymore. He's scoring quickly. There's a time clock in his head now where bang, I know where I am. I know where the defense is. And you're starting to see his development. And what I meant to say was it's not just scoring for him. He, he's wearing other bigs out because he's so physical when he posts up hard, he's taking legs out and he's, and he's making them um, have to defend, stay in a stance, be physical. That's wearing guys out towards the back end. And you saw that in the second half. North Texas was having some results. So was Tulane for a good yeah. 30 minutes of the game. We knew that over the course of time, you can't do that with Abdu if you have to defend him as well. And if you see inside the last 10, eight minutes, four minute stretches of games, bigs are worn out. They're not making their free throws. They're missing bunny layups, which, which North Texas did. A lot of the ones they were making in the first half, they did not make in the last six minutes of that game. All right. So I watched that from home and I can tell you that the dunk, although they took, let's get to this first. They took forever, forever, forever. And I mean, he got malt. He got, that he got too. Hammered. Hammered. But I mean, on the on the third replay that they showed on TV at home, everybody knew it was in, and then it took another like three minutes. And I was getting nervous that there was some kind of like third angle that had like <laughs> a fingernail still on the ball when the light was going on. I don't know why it took so long, but it was not it was not easy to sit through at home. Well, what I what I what I mentioned to to this, I think it was um, maybe Tim or uh, I'm not sure it was Tim and Tom. I can't remember which one I I spoke to who got the first look. Then he came out and said, "Well, you know what, like." Either way, you call it on the floor. So if you're taking this long, you already said it was good. You, it's irreversible. That's the way the rule goes. Yeah. If you're going to take this long and it's you can't figure it out, well, you already called it good, so you have to go with the call on the floor regardless. So what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, that that that, work, that doesn't really work all that much. But, no. Uh, so no. Well, can you go back and call foul? 
if you don't think it's good because you got you got Amber, then you weren't yeah. gonna call it. And I don't think they can, right? When they go to the review, they don't. Yeah. It doesn't open up to everything, right? That's just the one thing they're looking at. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. didn't. They got to go with what they called on the floor. They didn't call foul. They didn't call goaltending. Um, so that's that's what it was. So so yeah, I can confirm that a game winning dunk, buzzer beating dunk, is a good way to get through a hangover because <laughs> I had every plan in the world to be at that game as a fan for a change. And Saturday night, uh, we had some friends over for the holidays, and I good made for you. Well, no, not really. I made like three or four real rookie mistakes. And you know me. Uh, I'm not cool. I'm not that sturdy. But I have I have had beers before Saturday. But a combination <laughs> yeah. of mixing drinks, not well, eating. Good and at you. like 1030, I was like, I'm out of here. So I went to sleep with my wife hosting like 25 people in her house. And 1130 is too early for a college basketball game after that. That's so I watch from the bed. Man. Uh, you know what? I was uh, looking to have that similar night last night, but apparently I forgot it was Sunday night, so nobody was willing to <laughs> partake with me. Yeah. Thank God, actually, because I got up and had to take my kids to school at 730. Oof. But good for yeah. you. You know what? Nah. Good for you. No, nah, it was. It really wasn't um, It wasn't good for the <laughs> ego, Coach. It wasn't like I had two, like, 37 beers. Like, well, that's a good job by you. It was too quick. <laughs> Uh, and just ghosting my party is I'm probably gonna have a tough time living that down for a while. I'm sure there's plenty of people who's hit you up already. That's great. Yeah. Irish exit's supposed to save like 10 years of your life. Uh, you know, so it's good. <laughs> well, uh, at least uh, again, it was a good way that, that, that the bagel and some coffee and the win at the buzzer <laughs> flipped my day around. Got That's me great. going in the right direction. I, I gotta be honest. I, I love it. 30, I, I, I thought St. John's was playing directly after us. I never knew that they switched it around for TV purposes. So I hung out, uh, not even realizing St. John's wasn't playing next because oh. I wanted to live Scott St. John's. Yeah. So I ended up leaving, getting a slice coming back and watching the second half of the, the, the Miami game and then first half, first half of St. John's. But a lot of great games. Ended up being a tremendous event. Yeah, long day, good games, absolutely. Some big-time big yeah. schools, and you guys gave them drama right off the tip. Yeah, you know what, North Texas is – they remind me a lot, and I told Coach this before the game, and he and, he and I got the chance to talk for about two minutes right there at half court before and also after. He um, he hit me up, and he, he wants to talk um, this week because, you know, he's in a very similar situation that I was. I mean, he had been at Tulane – excuse me, not Tulane, but North Texas, what, I think since 2017 as the associate coach, takes over a program where they had won an NIT, and that is a lot of older guys. Um, they remind me a lot of our team last year, quite honestly. Um, so he was uh, incredibly gracious before and after, but um, they really remind me a lot of, of our team last year. Uh, and I think they're going to be, they're, they're really tough. They're going to be really good. Um, so I guess the, the million dollar question now is everything that was good and felt good and looked right in the second half. How do you keep that going regardless of who the, the next game's against? Yeah. You know what? It, it's never been about who we're playing. Quite honestly, and and we, we talk about that often. Um, I think we were playing some pretty, pretty good basketball for a couple of weeks, but um, what I didn't, and maybe that you know, not maybe it was my fault, but what I didn't recognize was that we played five games in thirteen days, and and had a bunch of leading into exams, and some guys had a a lot of things on their plate the last you know, five to seven days and um, really hadn't had a day off since Thanksgiving. 
um, until after that NJIT game was the first one. Um, so I, I didn't really think about the dynamic of the locker room and having a lot of younger guys playing a lot more minutes and the details and uh, having two day prep is we got used to that last year, but we did have a lot of older guys. So we got to kind of got in a rhythm and it was actually good for us this year. It's a totally different group. We've had a bunch of different injuries, nicks and bruises, and not having practice for two days prior to a game. Usually we do some yoga, we do some stretching and some film and, and you know, that's really it. Maybe shoot free throws and then we'll practice really hardcore for about an hour and a half to two hours the day before the game in a two day, two day prep situation. But, you know, with this group, we have to get so much better defensively and connected that we do need to practice a little bit more than last year's at this time. And, and that, that weighs heavy on a younger group because mentally and physically, they need to be so dialed in. And I kind of saw it two days before NJIT. I was like, ah, we, we are mentally fatigued. You could tell by some of the mistakes we were making in practice and try to do our best to, to combat it, but it's just difficult. Um, but so how does that NJIT game factor in now when you followed up with a quality win like you did? Does it make you feel like it was just a one-off kind of thing and there's less things to worry about in the game no, against no, them? No, not at all. Not at all. You know what? It, it it doesn't, you know, anything can happen in college basketball. You're seeing it everywhere. You see it all yeah. the time. Um, you know, there's a lot of good players. Every team's got transfers. Every team's figuring it out. I mean, NJIT had two really, really good chances. The kid Buchanan dropped 17 and eight two years ago at Manhattan against us. Yeah. Wasn't like he's a bad, I mean, he could have played in the Atlantic 10 anywhere, chose to go there. Yes, yeah, scored um, 20 plus against Mason, right? A couple of games before yeah, you guys. I mean, he's phenomenal. He's incredibly talented and a big guard. Their big man is also so he had been hurt for a couple of weeks, so people really hadn't seen him. Yeah. We knew he was supposed to be coming back to play against us. He's tremendous. He didn't even shoot the ball that great. He made all his free throws, but he could also shoot it. Um, so so it doesn't matter who you play, you have to show up and you have to be dialed in again when you don't have an older experienced group that understands every single possession matters i mean you look at the games that we've played we played a lot of close games last year you know they were two points one possession two possessions with about three minutes to go and we'd end up winning by 10 or 12 or we'd win in overtime case vmi right so we had a lot of close ball games last year similar to this year but we just had a much older mature group that understand inside that four-minute timeout what was necessary to get things done. Step to the line, make your free throws. But little things like you never saw us miss a block out in a free throw line situation when the opposing team was shooting a free throw. That's happened. And we work on this and talk about it constantly. And we, we really take pride in these things. And it's happened, I think, at least once in every single – in the last four games. And – the biggest one was against Tulane when Abdul got his final uh, foul. That was very questionable, but it would have never have been that case. It, it, that decision would have never have been made if we had just secured a basic miss on a free throw. It happened against NJIT late in the game. It happened the last night. It happened late in the, or yesterday afternoon. It happened. So um, those little things you wouldn't have because everything is so important. Older guys kind of understand that because they're, they're, they're at their last leg. They know, 
They, they literally only have so many games left. And you see Antrell and Kyle playing like that, and that's why. They're playing with so much passion and commitment, understanding they only have so many games left in college. And that takes that takes uh, some time to get a lot of younger guys to understand. Um, so there, it's, it's not a one-off. We need to be prepared and ready. This team is capable of beating teams by 30 because of the talent and the depth where last year's team really wasn't. Mm-hmm. But they're also capable of losing to anybody who steps on the floor if they're not completely dialed in and paying attention to the execution. Uh, I guess this question is along those depth lines. And I know Sunday was a little different because I guess Elijah wasn't available and Angel wasn't dressed again. But even before that, it seemed like your second half rotation was a little bit tighter, a little bit smaller than it was yeah. at the beginning of the year. Is that because of a game by game thing? Is that the, that circle of trust is a little small in the second half? Like, am I, am I seeing things or did I did no. get the right read on things? No, you're getting the right read on things. We had a, a, a big, big team player health meeting on Thursday to talk about a lot of things that um, we felt were were, um, were happening and things that needed to change and commitment from so, some guys. But, yes, I mean, it is a trust factor late in games. And, you know, I think you saw a big one in Jameer Tripp finishing that yeah. game out the way he did growing up before our eyes, his dynamic ability. I mean, he made some huge plays um, late in the game with some some rebounds and some stops and some putbacks. He had two massive offensive rebounds. Actually, one really phenomenal drive and physical. He got fouled. They didn't call it. Physical, where we had been struggling to, to, um, to score against the kid Scott. Kid's so talented, so long and athletic. He had made some huge defensive plays. Tripp gets on the block and just physically beat him up for a layup and then makes a huge offensive rebound, put back a couple of assists. So, you know, you saw him and his dynamic playmaking ability. You know, we felt really good with him at that four spot, being able to make plays off the dribble because we knew Scott had uh, some foul trouble and we really wanted to go at him in the last five minutes because he's one of their go-to guys. So we felt like, especially on the offensive glass, and he can make some plays some of the other guys couldn't based off his athleticism. So that was the spot that we felt like we needed a dynamic uh, score at. And Tripp was playing well. Ramai got some minutes in the first half, but he's not as much of a playmaker off the dribble. So that's just kind of what we worked on the last couple of days in practice. And, and, and it gelled really nicely. Elijah is a big piece of what we do. Um, tweaked his back in practice and was unable to go tried to warm up for the game. So he was literally a game time decision. I thought he was going. And then when he came into the 12 minute timeout, he just said, look, I, I don't think I can help us. So I said, okay, no worries. Next, next up. So that, that gave a guy like Tripp the opportunity to really step up and play major minutes. And obviously Yole has been getting more, more and more minutes yeah. as we've been in these last couple of weeks. He has been working as hard, if not harder than anybody. His energy is infectious. And I've just told some of the younger guys, look, we got to get back to our identity. And we're going to put the guys out there that we believe are going to literally put themselves in the hospital before they take an L. And, and Yole is one of those. He's, he's like Tralagao. He knows he's only got so many games left. And he is making a world of difference, not just on the court, but off the court, more than most people would see. Been a great yeah. addition to our program, specifically for Abdu. He has been unbelievable from a mental standpoint. Um, to to Abdu, and one of the main reasons why you've seen his development skyrocket. 
he's fun to watch. I mean, he's just running around. I don't know if he knows where he's going at all the time. He's all arms he and does. legs. He's smiling. He's just, he's way too fun to watch. Yeah. Sometimes he calls Binghamton place. And I'm like, well, that's not going to work, but thank you. <laughs> you know, as long as you just play hard, uh, we have a motto. You play hard, play together, yeah. not perfect. Uh, and he's the, I, he, I mean, he is, look him up in the dictionary. You find that. And that's exactly who he is. And he laughs about it. We laugh about it, but he is, um, he, he honestly was calling Binghamton plays out in practice <laughs> defenses and everybody's like, what? He did it in a game and Kyle goes, you got to get him out. So he came to me uh, about, I don't know, a week and a half ago, apologized, said, look, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I, th- I feel like I, we, I can help. I said, I believe you can too. Everybody wants you to play. You can't call Binghamton defenses out in the middle of the possession. <laughs> we started laughing. I saw him literally, I think every day for almost 10 days straight, he's been in the office studying both offense with Ronald Ramon and defense with Trey Woodall and they're coming in. I mean, and it is completely evident. He's made a serious commitment and, um, and, and his minutes have been valuable. Uh, how will Saturday work? Will you, will you guys get into the garden Friday or is pregame Saturday the only time you'll shoot on those rims? No, unfortunately they, they have a, uh, I believe uh, the Rangers have a game on Friday night, so we, we won't get a shoot around in there. Um, so Jonas Brothers a, this last weekend and now hockey this time. Yeah, exactly. So um, I believe we will have a shoot around there, but they haven't confirmed that yet. So we're still waiting to hear. Um, and I don't know how much, I don't know the timing. I'm hoping we have more than 25 or 30 minutes to, to warm up, but that's typically what it is when you're in a double header. It's actually a triple header. I believe yeah. the women are playing afterwards, St. John's women or something. I'm, I'm not sure, but um, I don't know how much time we'll have, but, you know, it is what it is. St. John's, they don't get to practice there either. Now they have played there before, but, right. Um, you know, I, I don't, I, that, that, that's a, those aren't the things that really make me too nervous. Um, we got a bunch of kids who kind of don't even think like that, which is, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but, <laughs> Um, you know, Barclays obviously is our place. They love yeah. it, but, um, which is funny because most people think Barclays is, I think we're two and two in Barclays, right? Andrew, if you can, because uh, we the played Mi- Miami, the Miami game two years ago Miami when you were an assistant, we lost, then we won one, lost one this past season. Yeah. All right. So now we're two and two and 500. It's not bad. No, it's not bad. I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, are you kidding me? I'll take it. So hopefully we go, we start one and up. Now, uh, and how does Saturday work for you when Rick Pitino is the other head coach? Does it matter at all? I, you talked a little bit, a little bit about a post game yesterday, so that's what I wanted to ask you about it today. I mean, I don't really think about it. I, I think most other people do. I mean, it's when I do think about it, it's you know just kind of in conversation. Like, yeah, it's pretty wild. You know, I get to coach against Rick Pitino. At, first of all, I get to coach in Madison Square Garden. Now, I've been on the bench several times right uh, like acting like i'm a big shot but uh, a lot i've been on the bench a lot through villanova and actually penn state we played uh the big 10 tournament there we had a ton of success yeah. villanova we had a ton of success there but uh penn state we played there several times um the big 10 tournament the nit and a couple other times so um but to be the head coach is, is a totally different situation so you know it's a, definitely a bucket list and that, that in and of itself is a dream come true. Now, to look down the bench and be coaching against one of the best, arguably greatest coaches in the history of basketball, let alone college basketball, 
adds a, a whole nother dynamic that, you know, I won't really think about the day of at all because I just want to kill them. <laughs> but, um, you know, most of my family and friends and everybody else, fans think it's pretty wild. But, you know, I, I'm I'm excited about it. Yeah, and it's weird because his roster has like four or five guys that you've coached against individually on their previous teams too, right? I mean, yeah, RJ Lewis yeah. and Ledlum, like you saw all those guys very, very recently. Yeah, and obviously Joel is playing yeah. at a very high level, and he's he's awesome. He's actually funny. We I Facetimed with him because you know he's he's best friends with you know Kyle Rose and Chuba, and you know even Antrell has become close with him because they they've hung out in in circles. He's been uh, back at the gym a few times. Oh yeah. And he's, he, what a great kid. I mean, yeah. what an awesome kid. And I FaceTimed him when we found out uh, I was with Kyle Rose and he FaceTimed him when we found out we were he cemented the game and he was hilarious. So, um, you know, it should be a lot of fun, a lot of fun for these guys too. All right. And only water for me Friday night. So I can make sure I get there and, <laughs> and, You're better and see than things in person this time. Uh, I'll definitely, I, I, I'll, I'll have one for you. All right. Well, Coach, as always, this was fun, man. Congrats on North Texas. Best of luck Saturday, and we'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate y'all. Have a great night. Go Rams.